Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. There are definitely a a lot of people who are not here. Um, This is our opportunity to extend ourselves and check up on the people who aren't here to give them a call. Those people you know who maybe are uh, afraid to gather together. Um, We are going to do what we can to put ourselves online so that those who can't make it can see us online and we can do things that way, um, just to let you guys know. But we do want to see what we can do to put this online, and we will let you know every week whether we are going to be meeting or not. Our plan is to meet every week until we feel it's not safe to do so, uh, and hopefully that will never be the case, but we are going to be listening Currently, the governor says uh, meetings of over 250 people, uh, suggesting that they don't meet. The mayor of Los Angeles said meetings over 50 people. And so right now we're cool. Um, If a bunch of people come, then what what can you do? You three leave. Uh, You put us over the limit. We can't go. But we want to be mindful of these things, and so if things change, we're going to announce it on Facebook and on Instagram. That is the easiest way to make these announcements. So I suggest that you do follow us on those social medias to be kept up to speed with what is happening. Okay? All right. Let's pray once again and lean into this a little further. God. Who are we supposed to be right now in this society that we find ourselves living in? Lord, we want to know your will for us and how we can represent you. And that's why we're here. So I pray, Lord, you would help us to see things more clearly, understand your will, And have your compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, originally I was going to start a series called Deconstruction. And I was going to talk about how we have to deconstruct the way we think in order to reconstruct the way we think more like Jesus. Uh, But because of the current events with the COVID-19, we are changing that. And I'm going to talk about this right now. Good morning, guys. Um, and I think it's important because this is on topic and this is something that is on everybody's mind. So some of the things I'm going to talk about, you're probably already aware about, but I'm going to talk 
to try and bring some kind of clarity. First thing we need to talk about is the disease itself. The coronavirus or COVID-19 that it's called is an influenza. It, it is a flu that has started in China that was probably developed in a wet market uh, from a bat. It wasn't man-made. They have enough people researching this to see the genetic markers to know that it is from a bat and it has not been tampered with and does not have the human element. It is not a biochemical kind of construction. And it's important to say that because there is so much fear and there is so much propaganda that's going on. I heard a pastor of a large church that has three services, over a thousand people in each service that are still meeting today that threw that idea out there, that this might be made by China to pray. And I was like, oh my gosh, There isn't enough going on that we have to worry about this, right? And so I want to talk about those kinds of things. It's airborne like an influenza. Have you ever opened your drapes and seen all that dust floating around and think, oh, I need to clean? You can never clean all that dust. You know you can't. Well, that is what this virus is like. It's floating all over. Now, that makes you feel all much better, right? That means you cannot prevent it by just washing your hands. Now, washing your hands is always a good thing. So is brushing your teeth, by the way, right? It's always a good thing. And if you do sneeze on your hands, I mean, even now I'm just talking, whatever's coming out of my mouth is going onto my hands. Okay. (laughs) So shake hands. So it's always good to wash your hands. But washing your hands is not going to prevent you from catching this virus. Neither is wearing a mask. Unless the mask completely covers your airwaves so that the air doesn't come in through the side. If you're breathing in that dust that's floating in, you're also breathing in this virus. Okay? It's just the truth of how it is. Those who are most susceptible are going to be those with weaker immune systems. In China, they found that it was those who were older men who smoked, okay? The older women who didn't smoke were okay. Police are here. They're here to tell us. They can count if we're over 50. If we're over 50. The older women weren't as susceptible to the virus as the older men who smoked, Okay, the concern in the United States is obesity. There are a lot of older people who are obese in our country, and the same kind of thing can happen where there's a breakdown of our immune system because we are overweight. Okay, just letting you know some of the good facts there here. Um, There is no treatment at this point funny, all the police officers and people who know the police walk outside. <laughs> I got it. There is no known treatment except that that we know for the common flu, right? <laughs> Get rest, drink plenty of fluids, stay hydrated, and keep your fever down, right? There is no vaccine, and there probably won't be a vaccine for a year or so. 
That's just going to be how it is. That's, it'd be nice to think, oh, we're going to have a vaccine and it'll all go away. But the best prevention isn't vitamins. It isn't sauna. Have you guys heard that? If you take hot sauna, it'll burn out. No, it won't. Okay, but 180 degrees, your lungs will not inhale 180 degrees, you would die. It's not going to go away. The best prevention is the things that I mentioned to be actually in shape. Oh, well. Um, (laughs) Is to get lots of rest and to stay hydrated. That is the best way to prevent this from having an adverse effect on us. Okay. As you guys probably know, there are a lot of people who contract the virus who get sick and then get better. The concern is that it will spread so much more because the symptoms aren't seen at the early stages when people are contagious. And so a lot more people can have the virus, not show the symptoms and still be out going to basketball games, going to Disneyland, going to the show. I don't know, are movie theaters closed? Don't go, don't go, because I'm going to go, and I want those good seats. No, these kind of things where people meet together, if someone doesn't know that they have the virus, that's more susceptible to spread the virus, okay? That's why they're closing the events down. It isn't because, oh, no, all these people are going to die. It's because all these people might be carriers, and it will spread, and it will overwhelm our healthcare system. All these people go to ER, go to urgent care, and if a lot of people get very sick, it will overwhelm the system. That is why these precautions are being taken. It's, again, to be preventative, to stop it from becoming too severe where too many people can contract this and get that much sicker. Um, We are still at the beginning stages of this, and it's going to unfold over the months to come. This isn't just going to go away. It could be here for three to six months, and then we can start seeing what's really going to shape out of this. Okay. Until then, we just have to kind of deal with all the things that are happening, get the information and understand how these things. But again, what is going to be our perspective in this? As I shared with you, one pastor who's still meeting, is kind of like using this to be a sell point. You know, I I heard him say that, you know, this is the pestilence and the things that are talked about in Matthew chapter 24. You know, this isn't the great tribulation, he said, but these are the birth pains. It's like, oh, great. That's all we need is a little bit more fear to be pushed on us. Now, if you guys have been with me since I've gone through Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation, you know that is not my view, okay? I I am not leaning into these things. He also said that the Bible says things are only going to get worse than they are now and that it's worse than it's ever been. He said that. Things are only gonna get worse and it's worse now than it's ever been. So that always provokes me to say, oh yeah? What about the plague of Justinian in 541 and 542 ACE? The death toll, 25 million. Okay, thought to have killed perhaps half the population in Europe. It was an outbreak of the bubonic plague that affected the 
Byzantine Empire and the Mediterranean port cities, killing up to 25 million people in its year-long reign of terror. Generally regarded as the first recorded incident of the bubonic plague, the plague of Justinian left its mark on the world, killing up to a quarter of the population of the eastern Mediterranean and devastating the city of Constantinople, where at its height it was killing an estimated 5,000 people per day and eventually resulting in deaths of 40% of the city's population. It's worse than it's ever been. Tell that to this people, right? What about the Black Death, as it's known, in 1346 to 1353? Death toll 75 to 200 million, okay? An outbreak again of the plague ravaged Europe, Africa, and Asia with an estimated death of between 75 and 200 million. Thought to have originated in Asia, the plague most likely jumped the continents via fleas living on rats that so frequently lived aboard merchant ships. Ports being major urban centers at that time were the perfect breeding ground for the rats and fleas, and thus the insidious bacteria flourished, devastating three continents in its wake. The cholera, third cholera pandemic, there were seven. This was in 1852 to 1860, the death toll one million, generally considered the most deadly of the seven cholera pandemics. The third major outbreak of cholera in the 19th century lasted from 1852 to 1860. And like the first and second pandemics, the third cholera pandemic originated in India, spreading from the Ganges River, Delta before tearing through Asia, Europe, North America, and Africa, and ending the lives of over a million people. British physician John Snow wondered where that name came from, while working in a poor area of London, tracked cases of cholera and eventually succeeded in identifying contaminated water as the means of transmission for the disease. Unfortunately, the same year as his discovery, it went down as the worst year in the pandemic in which 23,000 people died in Great Britain. The flu pandemic of 1968 so we're getting closer. I was alive here. Killed one million people. A category two flu pandemic, sometimes referred to as the Hong Kong flu. Okay, a virus, a genetic offshoot of the H2N2, whatever that is, from the first reported case of July 13th, 1968 in Hong Kong. It took only 17 days before the outbreak of the virus were reported in Singapore and Vietnam, in which three months had spread to the Philippines, India, Australia, Europe, and the United States. While the 1968 pandemic had a comparatively low mortality rate of 0.5%, it still resulted in deaths of more than a million people, including 500,000 residents in Hong Kong, approximately 15% of its population at the time. Worse than it's ever been. Keep in mind, 30,000 people die of the flu every year. 
I'm not saying this to make light of the situation. I'm saying this to try and stop this mentality to think that devastation and disease is now something that's upon us that has never happened before. This has been going on. This is why we develop vaccines. This is why it's important to be vaccinated. You do not want to see the smallpox take place again. You don't want to see these things continue. Vaccines help stop the spread of these things. This is why we want to take precautionary measures so that it doesn't become what has happened in the past. But it's not uncommon. It's not unprecedented. What's unprecedented is the amount of toilet paper people can stockpile. (laughs) But this is nothing new. And, And not to be flippant, but the death rate today is the same as it's been since the beginning of the plagues. It's still one per person, right? We all have to deal with death and how we face it. And when some pandemic takes place, it becomes very forefront in our thoughts that my mortality is upon me. And how are we supposed to deal with this? How are we going to look at ourselves in light of the fact that we are susceptible to things like this? And what will we do stepping into it? How do we step into this in a way that doesn't promote fear, but at the same time doesn't disregard people's fear? How should we live in light of this pandemic? I read something posted by C.S. Lewis from one of his articles on living in the atomic age. And at that point, he was talking about the development of the atomic bomb. And how are we going to live now in a world that has this kind of threat? Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't been thinking about atomic bombs as a threat for a long time, right? But at this time, it was the pandemic mentality of, oh my gosh, we can all be killed by the atomic bomb. And instead of dealing with an atomic bomb, let's kind of substitute the idea of this virus that's taking place. And I want to read some of what he says here. He says, how should we live in light of this pandemic? I'm tempted to reply Why, as you should have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at night, or indeed, as you already are living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Let that sink in, the novelty of our situation. Let's not exaggerate the novelty of this situation. Yes, there is a pandemic. Yes, there is an influenza that is very dangerous. They estimate it can be 10 times worse than the flu. It's an estimate we don't know. But let's not exaggerate the novelty, this specific thing, as being the most important thing. The novelty of this situation 
shouldn't be what dominates our thought. He goes on, he says, this is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by this virus, when it comes, let it find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. That's about all you can do now. You can't play any other sports, right? So we want to play darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about disease. It may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. Are we going to live fearing the fact that we might die? That's been true since we've been born. Is that going to dominate how we move forward? How then shall we live? How shall we present ourselves? What is the kingdom of God supposed to look like with this happening right now? What can we do that helps bring an awareness of God's kingdom to the minds of people who are afraid? Now, I want to be clear If you have a compromised immune system, if you are older and overweight or smoke or any of those things, be careful. Be wise. Don't go to large gatherings. If you are sick, stay away from us, right? Don't come to places where there are a lot of people. Even if it's just the flu, you shouldn't do that. And so these are all just common sense things that we should be doing on a regular basis. But let's not be overrun with thinking this is unprecedented. We have never experienced anything like this before. And let's not make our kids paranoid thinking the end is near because this is just the beginning and things are going to get a whole lot worse. Oh my God. Let us not bring fear to our children worrying about the end of the world because we have a flu virus that is going to be dangerous. Let's not bring more harm than good. Paul told the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? That is the good news that the kingdom of God is among us and Jesus is the proof. That's the good news. The kingdom of God is here. Right now, with COVID-19, the kingdom of God is still here. COVID-19 did not kick the kingdom of God out. It has not stopped God from working. It is not hindering God from working. In fact, Paul says that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the kingdom of God being present, known because of what has happened here to him, which was imprisonment. Verse 13, he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. 
And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. What? The kingdom of God is here and they do it without fear. God is here and I don't have to be afraid. I didn't have to be afraid before COVID-19. I don't have to be afraid after COVID-19 because the kingdom of God is here. It doesn't mean I'm stupid. It doesn't mean I don't want to remove myself from places that might be dangerous, but I am not gonna live in the fear that has gripped so many people. How can we bring the kingdom of God to the forefront of our current situation? We need to learn how to be afraid because there are different types of fear. There is one church that had their youth group holding signs out in, uh, I think it was Las Vegas, that said, faith, not fear. And they're all, woo, woo, faith, not fear, honking. I was thinking, what good is that doing? That, how is that helping people? Faith, not fear. What does that even mean? Right, The person who's afraid, telling them you need to have faith, what does that look like? How does that shape up? What is that really supposed to be? How do we do that? I don't want to make things more unclear, and I don't want to shame people. But there is a fear that is actually healthy. There is a line in the hymn, Amazing Grace, that says, Grace has taught my soul to fear. And grace, my fears, released. See, there is a way to be afraid that doesn't make us slaves to terror. Every endeavor that has been of importance in my life was born of some sort of fear. Getting married. Sorry, hon, but I was afraid. (laughs) Having children, fearful. Changing careers, afraid. New ventures, you step through fear. There is a fear that takes place when we grow. There is a healthy fear. And then there is a fear that enslaves, that brings terror, that paralyzes. Right now I'm training a dog who is paralyzed by fear. You can't touch him, he'll bite you. He's afraid of everything, everyone. And he lives in this world that is just fearful and it's pathetic, it's tragic. You look at him and he's just shaking, like, are you gonna kill me? And so many people are living in that fear right now. Oh no, the end of the world is gonna be... How does the kingdom of God show up in this place? There was a meme I saw. Rick, go ahead and put that slide up. I thought this was cool. On an apartment complex, it says, Dear older neighbors, if you need me to go to the store for you, please call or knock on my door. This is what the kingdom of God looks like in the middle of this. 
It shows up with compassion. It shows up with extending themselves to help those who maybe are at risk, those who are afraid and paralyzed. It helps break the fear and that hold of fear and says, I will step into this place where you can't and I will help you through this. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. Now, I can't make this happen, right? I, 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 I'm thinking, okay, how do we make this happen here? And I can have a sign up. All you who are afraid, put your name on this side. And all you who aren't afraid, put your name over here. But it doesn't work like that. This is relational, right? If you are a person who is in a situation where you can't go out, you are afraid because it isn't wise for you to go out, then please call me. If you don't have my number, come up to me afterwards. I will give it to you, okay? My number is on the internet. You can find it. If you need a dog trainer, you'll call me, right? So a thousand people already have my number, a thousand clients. I'm not worried about you having my phone number. I might not go get you groceries, but I'll find someone who will. Because this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like us stepping into the lives of people who are afraid and helping to alleviate that fear. And so what needs to happen with us is we need to be aware of the people around us and put a sign up or go talk to them or knock on their door and say, hey, do you need anything? I'll get it for you. And then you can you know, work out the payment arrangements with them. They'll gladly pay you. This is how we start disarming fear in the people's lives around us by actually still being a part of their lives and helping them to see that I'm not just in it for me. I have nine baskets of hand sanitizer that I'm now selling for $25 a bottle. I'm actually giving you what I have to help you. Isn't that the kingdom of God? Isn't that what Jesus looks like? So one of the things I'm thinking of, and this, these are things that may unfold as time goes on, is like we could probably still get some small bottles of hand sanitizer. Wouldn't it be great to have a place where the people in our neighborhood could come and we could give them or their kids a little bottle of hand sanitizer. Say, here, we just want you to not be afraid. We're here. We're not hoarding. It's free. Here's a roll of toilet paper and sanitizer. Go have a great day. Right? I mean, what, what? I don't know where that came from. But where can we disarm the panic Right? Oh no, I gotta go, I gotta go. Here, it's free. What? Do you see what that does to the mindset when someone steps in and says, No, I'm not gonna give in to this. I know how to fear in a way that pushes my life forward and not paralyzes. Because grace has taught my soul to fear. And fear my and grace my fears released. I I am not afraid to the point where I can't act. I'm afraid not to act. I'm afraid to give in to the world's fear 
that stops me from living. Instead of fearing the God who gives life, there's a difference. And that's what we need to do and that's what we need to step into. We may need to go to online services. If so, we'll let you know. We're gonna work that out so we can do like a Facebook Live or YouTube Live. You can get the podcast and listen. If you need help getting the podcast, come and see us. If you have an Apple phone, see me. If you have an Android, see Gil, because that's another animal. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are ministered as if you yourselves or those who are mistreated as though you yourself were suffering. This is to be our attitude. We are to come alongside those who are afraid and help them. To those who are, he says, Basically, forgotten those who have been mistreated, those who have been imprisoned. You see, some people are imprisoned by their fear. We need to come alongside them as if we were there with them to help release them. This hardship and all hardships are opportunities for God to work. There are opportunities for the kingdom of God to break through. But first has to break through us. Because if you watch the news and if you hear some people saying it's only going to get worse and you focus on just all those things, you're going to start living your life in that frame of mind. You know, one of the, the best things I've done is stop listening to the news. I mean, really, all news, right? I mean, I'll still listen to it every now and then, especially I had to listen to one and prepare for this. But to be governed by just the news, well, it can paralyze you. I'm not saying don't be uninformed. But how much news do you have to listen to? Right? Can you listen to it once in a day or do you have to listen to it for four hours in a day, right? I mean, how many times do I have to see people going to the store? How many times do I have to see the line around Costco? How many times do I have to see what's going on before I understand? Yeah, I understand that's happening. You see, it becomes an obsession where that becomes our focus. That becomes something. And then pretty soon fear starts to take hold of us. And that's all that we imagine. Instead of having a conversation over a pint playing darts. That sounds a lot more fun. Even though I don't play darts, I'd rather do that. I don't want to stop living. I don't want to stop being an example of the kingdom of God. I don't want to stop loving. And this is where we have to extend ourselves to those who are hurting. Again, if you're a person who's at risk, this is where you get to receive And those who are younger get to give. 
I'm actually older. I'm like 60. I'm in the dangerous group now, right? It's like, I don't feel threatened. Yeah. So if any of you young people want to ask me what I want for... You understand what I'm saying. This is opportunity. This is a great opportunity to help people be released from that fear. Let's not miss it. Let's step in closer, not pull away. Even though we might have to be safe, even though we might not gather in as many places, let's not let that mentality change who we are as people of his kingdom. Does that make sense? I want to ask if anyone has any questions regarding this at this time. I don't, we don't usually do this on a Sunday. Yeah, Mary. I mean, I, I think there's wisdom in larger groups not meeting. If we were a larger group, we wouldn't meet just because we don't want to promulgate the problem, right? And so there are definitely people who are not fear in a way that's paralyzed, but are very cautious and not wanting to be a problem or see this problem, and that's fine, right? Even in those situations, those people, it's important to think, though, what can I do to right, move forward? But it's definitely... I don't want to shame anyone. I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, no, because you're not here... You're not a person of faith because that's not how it is, right? I just don't want you to stop living faith and live in a fear that is going to paralyze you. And there's a lot of ways that you can help out. I know uh, Corrine's parents, her dad had heart surgery and he's in his 80s. He's susceptible, right? So he's staying at home. So we can order groceries for them on Amazon and have it sent to them, right? Or show them how to do that. I think she bought like a water purifier for them and sent that to them. Right? There's a lot of things we can do to help people even if we don't go out and interact with people. Right? And, and so this is a mindset of how we engage, not how we separate. Right? Even though we might be distanced with those kinds of things. But yeah, very good point. Any other thoughts or questions? I imagine we will. I imagine the time will come when we will know someone who's been infected. And again, hopefully the infection won't be serious, right? I expect the infection, just like a flu, will start to take place where people know people who are infected. thing is we want to be wise. We want to help people dispel the fear, and we want to help them continue living. We want to show them that God isn't... God and his desire to interact with people in a civil way has never changed, Right? it's never changed. It's always been one of graciousness. I mean, what did people in those times when there was the plague, what did people do in the times of persecution? I mean, the church in China grew under Mao and this persecution that was there. How? Because of the spirit of God working in the lives and hearts of people, right? That should happen now. Yeah, we just have to take what we know and be wise with what we know, right? Um, I'm thankful that there are people who are knowledgeable in this that are able to develop treatments, that are able to tell us, hey, don't do these things. You know, for basketball season to be postponed when the Lakers were doing so well, um, 
I know that there is a reason, right? It's not just, oh, well, let's just do this. I mean, there is a reason that these safeguards are in place and we need to observe them. We need to take those into consideration and understand that there are people who have knowledge of these things are making these suggestions, not just so that they can cause panic, but they believe that it'll be a benefit to society. We have to live with that, and we'll see what happens as time, because they're still figuring it out too, right? This is still relatively new, and as time unfolds and this strain becomes more apparent what's happening, we're already being able to see who has it, which is a great thing. The biggest problem with this is that we couldn't, so now that we're able to find out who has it, we're able to now help treat those people. Hey, you have to be you know, at home, and you have to get your rest, and you have to do these things because you have this virus. That's a huge help. Um, And so we're going to listen to the people who know better, and I'm glad those people are there. I'm glad they're developing virus uh, vaccines. I'm glad they're they're developing treatments to help those who are sick. Let's listen to their wisdom, right? Let's listen to their wisdom, but let's take the heart of God with us everywhere. The mind of Christ still is our mind, even if I have to be quarantined or even have to be in a controlled environment. How can I bring that to the forefront in the things that we're doing? Yes. So this, again, think of... These are the things that excite me. Not that your children are going to be with you. (laughs) That there is an opportunity for community to develop that never developed before. There is an opportunity for Genesis to grow in a way that it has never been able to grow before through our interaction with one another, through someone coming alongside and saying, hey, you know what? I can help you with your kids. Or even like Mary says, hey, I can watch your kids for you if you need to get away and get out and do some things. And not just with the people in our community, the people outside of our community, right? Because you're not the only one who's got kids now staying at home right? What happens if you're able to get together with some of the other parents and work something out with them that you guys feel safe and comfortable working out through? Think of how that can develop an opportunity of communication for us to be able to share and be a light to those around us, right? Just like handing hand sanitizer out to someone makes it different. Who thought that hand sanitizer could be such an important thing? Where if I give a little bottle, three-ounce bottle of hand sanitizer, it's thought of as gold, right? Oh, my goodness. I now have the possibility to give gold to people just by having a little bottle of hand sanitizer. Hey, I just want you to know we're thinking about you. If you need anything, let me know. Exactly. Everything's spiritual. Yeah, everything's spiritual, right? And so we have to see it that way. The kingdom of God is here. How does it show up? It shows up through giving a little bottle of hand sanitizer, a roll of toilet paper. Oh, my gosh. This is exciting, right? This is an incredible way for the kingdom of God to move forward right now, right here, in some way. Rick, you now are a vessel for good perspective, right? I mean, Rick, I can't tell you what you should or shouldn't do, and I don't want to, you know, shame you. And I know I tease you a lot, um, and, and I don't think there's 
a place for that. I, I think my only encouragement to you is to ask where the kingdom of God shows up in you, right? If Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, I want you to ask yourself, how is it within me? Because I think it is within you, Rick. I think it shows up in your going out to eat with your friends. I think it shows up in you being here and helping and serve. I, I think it's there maybe more ways than you even realize it, right? And so don't get down on yourself because you watch the news all the time. But it's like when I, it's like when I tell people who I train their dogs, I say, you know what, when you're Interacting with your dog, make it 50-50. 50% love, affection, 50% boundary structure, right? Make it 50% you watch the news and 50% you look at see, where's the kingdom of God within me and how is it working, right? Because we need people like you, right? We need people who are very mindful in those things. That's not a bad thing. Of course, it could be, just like it could be the other way, Right? But again, that's the challenge for me is where is the kingdom of God within me right now? How is it showing up and how I interact with the people I am around, you know? And so that'd be my encouragement to you is just, you know, allow that to be a question that you ask yourself as well. How does it show up with me? Because maybe it'll be taking one of those rolls of toilet paper to the neighbor who's out of some. No, I think, I think those are good points, right? I, it's not just going, it's going and letting them know that I'm here and I care, right? I'm here and I care about you and what's going. Asking people, how's things going? Oh, it's really slow. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'll try and bring some people here, All right? Bring some friends here. Yeah. Kingdom of God breaking in. Kingdom of God breaking in. Kingdom of God breaking in, All right? This is all what it looks like, you know? And I... I love this kind of interaction because these are things that we can all draw from. And this is the whole point. This is why we're taking this Sunday and pausing and leaning into this whole conversation that's happening nationwide and saying, you know what? We have a take on this and it is always for the benefit of people. We are always going to do what is going to help people. To what extent that's going to depend on each of us in our circumstances, what we're allowed to do. We have examples of Paul. We have the example of Jesus that we all try to lean into that is just our goal, right? And let's face it, sacrifice is worship. Sacrifice is where we get to represent God most effectively. What kind of sacrifice? It depends on what God is speaking to us, where we're at. Sometimes it's monetary. Sometimes it's we can actually step out and serve. It shows up in so many ways, but it is a sacrifice. How can we, again, bring this awareness forefront? Any more thoughts or questions? Let's pray. Lord, I hope that this has been an inspiration to break out of fear into a new kind of fear, a fear that moves forward, a fear that is produced by a grace that builds and grows. And Lord, may we learn how to fear well. May we learn how to live fully 
in spite of a fear that would try and rob us. And may we have a mindfulness of how you are at work within us at this time. Lord, may it be an opportunity for us to break down walls, barriers, to enter into conversations, to bring light into the darkness of minds that are going crazy with fear because their mortality is evident. Lord, may we realize that it's always been there, but you've got that, and we trust you with it. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May grace teach your heart how to fear, and may grace your fears relief into a life that reflects God. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Again, if you need my information, come and talk to me and keep in touch, and we'll keep you posted. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.